Welcome to Not Work Storytelling. This is the show where we untangle our myths and reweave our stories, one ancient tale at a time. I'm your host and lead storyteller, Marisa Gowdy. I'm a myth worker, a story healer, a coach for writers and creative entrepreneurs, and the author of The Sovereignty Knot, A Woman's Way to Freedom, Power, Love, and Magic. If you love what you hear and want to support the show as we enter our third season, I'd be so grateful if you become a paid subscriber on Substack. In my newsletter, Myth is Medicine, you'll receive bonus content related to the stories on the show and deep dives into how mythology and folklore can help the individual and the collective in the present moment and beyond. There's a link in the show notes to follow Myth is Medicine on Substack. Or you can simply visit mythismedicine.substack.com. Season 4, Episode 1, Stories of Interrupted Feminine Power. Before we dive into this week's episode, a shorter solo story that sets the stage for the magic you can expect in the season to come, I'd like to tell you about my upcoming Autumn Writer's Knot program. Now, as a Knot Work listener, you probably know this. The guides, gods, and ancestors are your greatest creative allies. They can help you access insights and narratives that you never could have imagined if you were trying to rely on your own mental and emotional energies alone to create and write. So I wonder, I ask you, what might happen if you asked them, these guides, gods, and ancestors, to help you shape your stories, your ideas, and your art? Now, this round of the Writer's Knot features a series of four half-day retreats. Each session weaves together storytelling, guided meditation, creativity coaching, prompted writing, and time to chat, both with small groups and with the larger circle. If you've been hoping to make more time and space to devote to your creativity, the structure of this program is just what you're looking for. If you're a writer who wants to meet others who are just as intrigued by myth, archetype, the divine feminine, and the sacred journey of life as you are, then this is the place for you. I invite you to head over to my website, marisagowdy.com, to learn more and register now. We begin together on September 24th, and spaces are limited. If you've listened to the show before, you know that I tend to begin every episode with the simple statement, as is our way at Not Work Storytelling, we ask the story to speak for itself. Well, we will be doing that plenty of times in the season to come. But for now, it feels right to dwell for a little bit on the purpose and mission of this show. Because after over 45 episodes of Not Work, I can tell you that I have been changed by this work. So much endures and so much evolves when you make a show like this. So with all that in mind... I want to bring you back to the origins of Knotwork storytelling. It was the autumn equinox of 2021. I sat by the bonfire long after the rest of the family had disappeared back into the house. I remember watching my husband and the kids through the kitchen window, and I felt that sort of delicious loneliness of being on the outside looking in by one's own choice. I was keeping company with the wilder world. I was savoring my otherness, even as, I, even as I thought of how much more comfortable it would be on the couch watching a movie with everyone else. But I was committed. I hunched down into the lawn chair as the first cold of the season sunk into the parts of my body that were too far from the fire. I wasn't in it for the easy comfort and pleasure that night. I was on a mission to make a connection with the unseen world. 
Now, this was the night that Not Work Storytelling was born, though it would be several months in bulk of 2022 before the first episodes debuted. I remember this moment of revelation so well. But only when I went back to my journal did I realize the whole day was wrapped in magic. The revelation seems inevitable in retrospect. Now, I had just spent the weekend at the Sacred Center Mystery School, where I've been a student for 15 years. Part energy healing training, part spiritual university. I return to class four weekends every year, and I'm always changed in some profound way. That particular weekend was devoted to the idea of downloading the unseen. So on that autumn equinox morning, when I watched the great harvest moon setting over the mountains to the west, I was able to be fully present to the magic, to the triact, in ways that I often can't imagine in the midst of the everyday stress and routine. And so the day went on. And by sunset, when I sat by myself by the fire, I was fully open. In the last couple of years, since I've really returned to my study of the Irish language, I would now be able to say that I showed up to the fire with a prayer. Oscal Mokri, open my heart. I was open and ready, and so I could hear the voice as clear as the crackle of dry wood and the sound of wind and the not-yet-orange-gold autumn glory leaves. Right with the guides, gods, and ancestors, she said. It's time for you to truly keep company with the other world and spend your time with the folks of the imaginal realm. And just like that, Mungin, the Irish sovereignty goddess turned queen, turned witch, gave me my instructions. My handwriting is clear enough on those journal pages, even though I was writing by firelight. And so, I know that I journeyed on the page until I reached the title that you and I know so well, Not Work. That very night, not only the idea of this podcast, but the title and structure of each episode where we tell the story and then explore all the ways it still matters were revealed. Now, you may remember that I told a version of Mungin's story in the second episode of season one. I plan to return to her story in a new way at the end of this season, because I've learned so much about mythology and the tricks and reverence required when you tell an old, old story for new ears. In these last couple of years, I've been on my own prolonged spiritual quest, and I've spent much time in the company of those dark feminine energies that Mungin embodies so divinely. I've been gathering the courage to say, to channel, to imagine so much more about this heroine when I revisit her story again. Now, this desire to tell the story again with what I hope is greater depth comes in part from what I have learned from my dear friend and soul sister, the two-time Knotwork storyteller, Laura Murphy. If you haven't heard her stories of the goddess Bowen and Bridget, I invite you to cue those up as soon as you finish this episode. Laura is a poet and an activist, and she is a true embodiment of Imbus Farosni, the inspiration that illuminates, the gift of the pre-Christian Druids who didn't just compose poetry, but who somehow translated the entire mystery of creation into language so that it could be held by the human heart, human mind, human tongue. 
Laura will return this season with another visionary story, and I cannot wait to see what new sacred terrain we cover with this one. Before we go on, I want to take just a minute to tell you about some of the other visionaries who are coming your way this season. Sophie Strand will return to the podcast. She just released her novel, The Madonna Secret, and Sophie's going to bring stories of Miriam, and we'll explore how the gospel is really a body of stories together. And then Pearl Greger, a brilliant elder storyteller who shared her story of Inanna with us last year, will bring us a tale of Lilith and invite us to explore the mystery of the dark feminine. Jen Murphy, another two-time guest, will bring us a cross-cultural weaving of goddess tales. And then Royce Fitz, new to the show, a longtime friend, client, and colleague of mine, is a dream worker and a mental health counselor. And he's going to come with his tales of the Holy Isle of Iona, drawn from his brand new book, The Geography of the Soul. Now there's a thread woven through all of the stories you'll be hearing on Knotwork this year. It's the continuing emergence of the divine feminine, which of course is always present in my work. It was the quest for the goddess energies that really brought me to Ireland and to this work in the very beginning. It feels both bold and inevitable that this season of the show should be unabashedly dedicated to stories of the feminine face of the divine. And there's more that connects us too, my guests and I. These stories represent an essential aspect of what it means to be human, this longing for the unseen. We know, we need to know that we dwell in something more than the what you see is what you get world. We are more than meat and bone on a quest to reproduce before we die. We are more than consumers here to accumulate stuff and retire comfortably before our last breath. All of my guests and I share a fascination with, even I dare say a devotion to, the guides, gods, and ancestors. They inspire us, enliven us, whisper in our ears, and dare us to see the greater reality. We're devoted to the immeasurably vast, more-than-human world that guides us and holds us and serves as our cosmic wild kin. So since that equinox night when Mungan came to call, here's something I've truly come to understand. Our myths are not meant to be costume dramas. They are tales that help us understand how to live upon the land and how to live in community with one another and with the more than human world. I like to think that a project like this one, which involves so many brilliant storytellers and thinkers, shows us that we're coming back to an understanding that the mythologies aren't relics to be studied in academia or fodder for the next big budget streaming saga. This is soul work to treat these stories with devotion. It's important, this move away from merely using the old tales as raw material to be remixed for our own commercial purposes. It's easy enough to fall into the old ways, the more transactional ways, I think, that's why we come together to shape and share and discuss these stories. I get to do it with my writing coaching clients and the people in my writing programs. I get to do it with my guests on the show. And of course, as you're listening, you're part of that process when you take these stories and integrate them with your own. So yeah, it feels like a moment of evolution in terms of how we receive and hold and reshape these old stories. We're on a dual quest to stay true to the origins that we can find in the manuscripts and in the archaeology, 
and also keep the stories alive by dreaming them into this present moment. So as I close out with is a rather impromptu introduction or falcha, a welcome to this next season of Not Work Storytelling, I want to share one other bit of wisdom that came through with Mungin two years ago. She told me, this is the story of interrupted feminine power. Now, personally, it feels as if she came through as she did, when she did, in order to help me reclaim and redefine my own power as a creative, as a community builder, as someone who is here to help carry the conversations that matter most to me. Our sense of belonging, our sense of connection, our sense of wonder, our quest for the sacred. And I think this is all part of a long moment and reclaiming and remembering after a long, long interruption. Not just of women whose ability to participate in society and ritual were interrupted by patriarchal structures, but by the whole spectrum of feminine energies that are the birthright of all beings, regardless of gender. The feminine was interrupted by a million little movements towards civilization and consolidation of power. Mungin came to me as a spirit guide, as a creative guide, but as I said, she also happens to be a goddess herself. But when she came to me, she spoke of one other source of inspiration and meaning the ancestors. Right now, I'm thinking of my great-grandmother, my mother's father's mother. I never met her. She died long before I was born. Bridget Logie was born in 1888 in Newcastle, New Brunswick, in Canada. By the time she was 23, she told the census taker that her name was Bertha. Eventually, she would marry a man of Irish descent, Joseph Mann. In order to track these records, you need to know the family lore and understand that Bridget and Bertha were in fact the same woman. Her marriage records say Bridget, but all the census data after she came of age named her as Bertha. It's a story of interrupted feminine power. A difficult one, really. Because you see, the stories my mom told me of Grammy Mann, of Bridget, of Bertha, were always the tales of a forbidding sort of presence. But she did have a romantic streak in there somewhere. My grandfather, Aloysius, he had a good saint's name, as all the children of the parish would. But his middle name, Hayden, came straight from a cheap novel. Or so the family lore keepers say. Yeah, there was a steel in her. And sometimes that steel sliced like a blade, hot from the forge. She went by Bertha because Bridget, she said, was an Irish maid's name and she was a proper Scottish lady. Presumably, she was able to speak to the census takers and name herself, but when it came to the church and the ways of the marriage license office, they saw her union to her Irish husband in a different way. This Bridget didn't seem to have the same rights to self-determination. Like I said, a story of interrupted feminine power. To step back one more generation, Bridget's mother was Annie Kelly. Annie, too, was born in Canada, but her parents were from Ireland originally. From what we can know, Annie was a force of nature. As the stories have it, she was the one everyone would call when they needed help, when they were ill. And she was also the one who converted the Scottish Protestant Logies to Catholicism. So when Bridget rejected the name that her mother Annie gave her, 
the name of Ireland's greatest goddess and saint. Bridget was rejecting mother and country and perhaps spiritual lineage too. This is a half-told story, and there are so many more mysteries than there are facts here. The story of Bridget and Annie and all the rest that I know from this side of the family could launch a fabulous work of fiction that just might be mine to tell someday. Bridget would certainly be a difficult heroine to love, particularly for this great-granddaughter who's quite partial to the Irish side of the family and to the name Bridget. But for now, I'm sitting with what I understand to be ancestral whispers that intrigue me and also alert me to the legacy of shame that has been part of the Irish identity, particularly in the diaspora, for generations. Now, I grew up in one of the most Irish counties in America, Barnstable County in Massachusetts. Irish was as normal as watching ALF and Inspector Gadget for the us 80s kids. It was just part of the terrain, like mass most Sundays, or at least attendance at CCD and that big party for First Communion. Now, that church where I had my First Communion was where, about 10 years later, I would take the confirmation name of Bridget. And it would be where my crisis of faith would drive me, dizzy with psychosomatic reaction to my rejection of the structure of the religion, out to the Mary Garden, out to the Rosary Garden, where I would find solace in the divine feminine I knew I needed in my life. <sighs> yeah, there's so many threads here of my own past and hints of my family history, what we know of the cultural tides that pushed and pulled at the ancestors across time. And these are stories for another day that I'm still teasing out and working through. These are the kind of stories we'll explore in the Autumn Writer's Knot this season. In this series of half-day retreats, most of them on Sundays, we're going to really try to accept Mungin's invitation to write with the guides, gods, and ancestors. We'll have the time and space to explore and discuss what the guides, the myths, and the shreds of ancestral lore we've been told throughout the years could reveal. And then we'll do the alchemy, asking these hints and scatterings of history to help us create something new, something meaningful, something that needs to be said by us now. Members of the Writer's Knot include spiritual memoirists, lovers of myth, fiction writers, and healers. They are retired folks looking to tell their own stories, and they are entrepreneurs who seek to shape the magical, meaningful tales into pieces that will help them connect with their community. We begin on Sunday, September 24th at 10 a.m. on Zoom. That's the first of the four retreats. We'll continue to meet throughout the season, coming together to experience guided meditations, prompted writing sessions, and many workshops on creative practice. During each three-hour event, we'll come together in small groups for deep dive discussions and share our work with the wider group as well. Writers come back to this circle season after season, and I'm so deeply grateful for these chances to grow with such open-minded, open-hearted seekers and creatives. It will be so wonderful to welcome you, dearly devoted Network listener, to join us. Thank you for tuning in to the Knotwork Storytelling Podcast. Please subscribe and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. And do share this episode with other lovers of myth and story. By the way, everyone is a lover of myth and story, even if they've forgotten. Creating this show is a labor of love. 
and your support will help me continue to craft and share stories through season three and beyond. Please consider becoming a paid subscriber over on Substack, where I'm writing and creating additional audio magic with my newsletter and content hub. Myth is medicine. You can find out more about my writing, my book, our online creative community, The Heroine's Knot, as well as how to work with me as a coach at marisagowdy.com. Music on the show is by the wonderful Beth Sweeney and Billy Hardy, a Celtic fiddle and multi-instrumental duo based on Cape Cod, Massachusetts. The traditional reel we play at the start of the show is called The College Groves. Find out more about their music and shows at billyandbeth.com. Gratefully, I live, write, work, and record this podcast on the ancestral lands of the Muncie Lenape tribe, whose name means original people.